the Fantasy Football Welcome to the Fantasy Football Beat, the podcast that will never let your team die in darkness. I am Mike Hume. Hi, I'm Des Beeler, and I'd like to welcome back to the fantasy landscape from a broken collarbone, Jordy Nelson. Welcome back, Jordy. Uh, Des, do you realize we are one week away from a possible fantasy football championship matchup between the two of us? How are you feeling? I'm feeling like you kind of buried the lead there. We'd be one week away from me attempting to complete a 16-0 and season, which either could come against you or some other scrub. Uh, and that's about the extent of the trash talking I'm going to do because, well, it's already been jinxed, so what, whatever happens, happens. I survived the stupid 14th week of the regular season because of our league setting, so I feel like I can survive just about anything at this point. I can feel the tension rising already. Well, as You're going down, Jeff. <laughs> Patriots-Giants vibes. Oh, man, I don't oh, want to be sitting in the oh, middle of you two yeah. anymore. Well, the playoffs do continue, as Jeff and Des allude to, but they will do so without Carson Wentz. We'll get to some alternatives to replace that injured Eagles quarterback, but first, we wanted to continue with a look at some of the questionable stars you may want to sit down with everything on the line in Week 15. And that brings us to this week's even bigger Big Idea. The Big Idea! Get him off your team. Drop him now. He could be the surprise of the 2017 season. That guy is a walking ACL tear. Oh yeah, he's a major sleeper. So last week we advised benching Russell Wilson against the Jags, which looked like genius for about 30 minutes, and then completely ruined my season in one league. So the big idea this week, we are going to take some more time to look at stars you might be well-suited to sit down and other players who may be on the fringe of some starting lineups that you should definitely, definitely get in there. So, Jeff, let's kick it off with you. Who are you definitely starting this week who might be a questionable pick in some people's eyes? So I'm going to start Emmanuel Sanders, the Broncos wide receiver, and he's someone who's he's hurt me in a couple leagues uh, where I own him. Uh, he's really struggled the last few weeks. They you have a Thursday night game. It's a very advantageous matchup this week against the Colts. Uh, just a porous pass defense. It's a really good cornerback matchup. Uh, so usually we say sort of stay away from these weird Thursday games. Like it, it, things don't seem to go according to plan there. But I think this is one where unless you have considerably better options, uh, if you're sort of on the fence about uh, starting Sanders, uh, he's a guy I'd have in my lineup this week. Yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely see why people would not want to start Emmanuel Sanders. He has been terrible of late, um, and he's getting targets. I mean, his past three games I'm looking at now, he's had six, seven, and five targets, which is not astronomical, but it's enough to for a talented receiver to have a good game. But in those games, he's had three, two, and one catches for 12, 11, and 16 yards. Actually, and if we go back one more week, 15 yards. So in his past four games, he's not had more than 16 yards receiving. So that's pretty disastrous. Before that, he had that game where he went off for um, 137. And we know he's capable of it. It's really just a matter of can Trevor Simeon play in any way resembling competence? And, you know, you'd like to think, I said going into last week's uh, Jets-Broncos game that if Simeon could kind of have a decent game there, maybe that would go a long way toward restoring his confidence. I think I said that actually, in a, maybe not in the podcast, but in a post for Washington Post, but I said you, it somewhere. You just said it Trust out loud. Trust me, it's out there. wrote it on a post I note. may have muttered it to myself. <laughs> anyway, um, so you'd like, but he did have a, you know, a, a reasonably solid game there, and so you'd like to think he's got his confidence back together, and as Jeff said, pretty good spot for any quarterback uh, over there in Indianapolis. All right, Des, your pick hit a big-time home run at the end of last week's game against the New York Giants. Looking for another uh, long shot here? I mean, this is a pretty big swing. 
it is a big swing, and this is definitely not for the risk averse. Uh, but if maybe you're feeling like you need a, you need to swing for the fences, or yeah, you, you may feel like you're the underdog in your matchup, or maybe you just have like a lot of questions at running back. There are some matchups out there that, that aren't so great. I'm advocating giving Rod Smith a start. Uh, we saw him go off last week. He racked up 113 yards receiving, including an 81-yard touchdown pass, carried six times for 47 yards, which is pretty good, and scored yeah. again. So, you know, two touchdowns. But, uh, and, and obviously, okay, that's one game. It could be fluky. But he scored in each of the past 81-yard touchdown receptions by yeah. uh, <laughs> running backs are fluky. <laughs> Tend to be a definition. little bit fluky. Fact. I agree. I think it would be a little bit more fluky if, like, Alfred Morris had scored that 81-yard touchdown pass because Rod Smith does – have that big playability. He's a, he's a fast guy. He's also a, a sizable guy. And he's someone the Cowboys obviously like a lot. I mean, they first they went from benching Darren McFadden, which was, which was a surprise at the time, and then they just cut him outright. Then they have said, like, we like Rod Smith. And one, one of the things that's really encouraging is that both Coach Jason Garrett and Offensive Coordinator Scott Linehan have said recently, uh, or have praised Rod Smith's pass protection. And that's really a key to a guy getting on the field, staying on the field, being in those third-down situations. And, the, and according to the Dallas Morning News, one thing the Cowboys like a lot about Rod Smith is his play in situational areas that include third down, short yardage, and at the goal line. So ooh, I mean, ooh, yeah, so goal line. Those are all like pretty fantasy lucrative uh, sort of situations. So, and as I mentioned, Rod Smith has scored in each of the past three games. So what I, I guess what I'm suggesting is, if you're looking for, he, he provides not only a big play threat in any situation, but also a very good chance at a touchdown. And a lot of times when you're just trying to squeeze something out of, a, out of a roster spot. You want to pick the guy who's most likely to score a touchdown. You know, the Cowboys are at the Raiders this week. You know, so, I mean, the Raiders certainly not, not a very good fantasy defense. So it's a good situation for the Cowboys. They're favored by three. They should be able to run the – you know, in either, in either way you look at it, they're favored in this game. So if they're ahead, they should be able to run the ball a lot, which does set up well for Alfred Morris, but it also sets up well for Rod Smith. Or if they're behind, they'll be in passing situations, which should put Rod Smith on the field. Either way, I think he has a very good shot at a big game here. And what we've seen recently is he doesn't need to have a lot of touchdowns to get – the uh, uh, touches – to have those kind of big games. In the past three games where he's scored touchdowns, he's had 11, 10, and 11 touches. So even in a game where the game script may not entirely go in his direction, I think he's got a good shot at racking up some points. You could also say that's unsustainable. Isn't that another term for that? <laughs> he doesn't need a lot of touches yeah. to point up a lot of points. Doesn't that mean right. it's kind but of fluky? There, there, are, there are a couple different ways to look at it, for sure. It could, you could look at it as, like, it's been fluky that he's been scoring this much. I look at it as, like, this offense kind of went through the doldrums. It's a little bit back on the upswing. And they, Rod Smith's own star is a little bit on the rise here. So, and I think he is, you know, they don't have a lot of big play threats on the Cowboys. I mean, true. We, you know, we talked last week about Des Bryant almost never scoring big touchdowns. So I think they have incentive to get Rod Smith. And again, the matchup is right. I mean, the Raiders are, the, their defense doesn't threaten anybody at That's any true. level of field. Yeah, the upside of that play certainly is appealing. I, I don't know if he's going to get the, the workload. I think Alfred Morris, they're pretty much set with him, but. He can do a lot with a little, as we saw last week against the Giants. All right, now my start pick is a little bit more conservative than uh, than Rod Smith, and that's Kenyon Drake. He gets the Bills, which is fantasy mana. They are the most accommodating fantasy defense to running backs, giving up 27.8 points per game. Drake came on after the Ajayi trade, but also didn't really look like the guy. He was splitting time with Damian Williams, who had a couple of really good fantasy games. But now, with Williams out, Drake's had that role all to himself. He's really flourished with it. He had over 100 yards against the Patriots. Seems like he's going to get the vast majority of work against the Bills. And as I mentioned before, they're fantasy-friendly for running backs. They are. And I think, uh, first of all, one amazing tweet I saw this week is at one point Alabama's running back depth chart included 
Kenyon Drake, Derek Henry, T.J. Elden, and Alvin Kamara. So uh, that that's a that's better than my fantasy recruiting. Roster. Yeah, <laughs> fantasy roster. Uh, but but I I do appreciate the tip, Mike. I, it, you and I are, are playing in a in a separate fantasy league, not the one that uh, uh, Des and I are destined for a rematch in. Uh, but I, I've had Kenyon Drake on my bench. I might have to start him against you this week. We'll see. Well, that was unfortunate timing. Yeah, he looked he looked fantastic against the Patriots, and he looked good the week four against the Broncos. So again, we're talking about a player on the upswing, as you mentioned. That the big thing is Damian Williams not being on the field, which really gives Kenyon Drake free reign to get a ton of touches there. Unlike my guy Rod Smith, and he does have a much bigger chance to uh, break off a big play. All right, let's look at the flip side of this. Uh, we were half right. Uh, let's give ourselves half credit for that Russell Wilson pick because yeah. he was nowhere to be found in the first half. Yes, for a half, we were totally right. <laughs> and then, yep. All right, let's be let's be a hundred percent right this time. Who are we sitting down, Jeff? One wide receiver on the other side of the ball in that same game. Yeah, I'm staying away from T.Y. Hilton. Uh, I doubt Des will disagree based on his his usual <laughs> T.Y. Hilton uh, bashing. Yep. Uh, unlike Emmanuel Sanders, he has a very tough cornerback matchup. This hasn't been quite the maybe vintage uh, Broncos pass defense with Aqib Tlaib and Chris Harris Jr., the corners there. Uh, but still, still, those are very talented players. Uh, the passing game, this has sort of been a lost year for the Colts passing game, maybe for the entire offense in general. Um, and, and T.Y. Hilton, even though he's broken out for some big games, he's had some big plays, uh, as Dez has alluded to in, in past podcasts. The consistency isn't there. I don't think you can trust him in your lineup this week unless you're really desperate uh, for a start at, at flex. Uh, but I would sit him down this week against the Broncos on Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, I can't say I argue with that. T.Y. Hilton has been completely streaky. I mean, the odds of you getting one of his big breakout games, well— they're only good if Dez has him rated 56th or lower. We all know that. So, Dez, where is he this week for you? I am 39th, uh, just behind Deshaun Jackson and Corey Coleman. So, I'm yeah, I'm forecasting Corey Coleman to be a slightly better fantasy bet. And I have him, And then right behind, right above that is Emmanuel Sanders. So there you go. If hmm. you're picking between Sanders and Hilton, I would go Sanders. All right. So Hilton's on the bench, and uh, Dez, you got a quarterback that should join him there. Yeah, I think Alex Smith uh, does not make for a very good start this week, and I know he hasn't really been producing that much of late, but he's still the number three uh, scoring quarterback on the season, and one of the quarterbacks above him is Carson Wentz, so he's now the number two, effectively the number two scoring active quarterback on the season. Uh, and he, according to ESPN, he had the third highest start percentage going into this week, so he's getting rolled out there in everybody's lineups, and I'm just not sure that's a good idea anymore. He has 12 or fewer fantasy points in three of his past four games since the Chiefs' t- Week 10 bye. You know, and Andy Reid used to be known as the master of coming out of the bye with, with, a, with a much better-looking squad. Well, it's kind of been the inverse this year. Yeah. They start off great, and then since their bye, they really haven't been as effective. And he's actually scored uh, 13 or fewer points in four of his past six games. So, you know, the, the bombs away Alex Smith that seemed unusual earlier in the season, he's sort of reverted to form. You know, he's been a more cautious guy, and you, we're also not really getting the running from him. Now, at any point, you know, they're a big play offense, the Chiefs, so as with T.Y. Hilton, at any point, if you bench them, they could give you those big plays, but at the same time, being big play dependent is kind of a tough way to sustain offensive efficiency. You know, and then you look at the matchup, uh, the Chargers are, are a tough matchup. I mean, even, at, even, even though the Chiefs, I think, are going to be at home, the Chargers have not allowed more than 13 points to quarterbacks in any of their past four games, and just twice since week four. And they haven't allowed more than uh, one TD pass to a quarterback since week five. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're just shackling these people. We saw uh, what they did against uh, Kirk Cousins. Yes. And, uh, you know, through week 14, the Chargers are allowing the third lowest opposing passer rating 
uh, behind just the Jags and Ravens. And we know that they're, yeah, you know, that's good company. Yeah, tough matchup. So it's a very tough matchup for Alex Smith. Hasn't really been getting it done recently. According to ESPN's uh, projections, they have him projected for the 14th highest score this week among quarterbacks. Uh, I have him ranked even lower than that. So I, I'm definitely down on, on Alex Smith. I have him as my 17th ranked quarterback this week. So mm. lots of guys mm. I would play ahead of him, including uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Case Keenum. And uh, Blake Bortles, who we'll get to later. Yeah, that Chargers defense, two really good edge rushers, and Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa, and they've been really good at corner, too, even with Jason Verrett going out. So not not conducive for uh, uh, passing success for the opposition. That's also a critical game in terms of the playoff picture, the NFL playoff picture, uh, with the Chiefs and Chargers battling for the lead in the AFC West. Yeah, and, and given the downward trend in his fantasy scoring, it's it's just tough to sort of have much faith in him. I mean, Maybe he breaks off a couple big runs because he's being chased out of the pocket and the, and the Chargers pass rushers get too far upfield. But when that's like the upside you're looking at, like that maybe he is chased so much that he ends up running downfield, that's not exactly a boost of confidence right, right. there. And we, you know, we, and we saw him go off against the Jets just two weeks ago and throw four touchdowns. So it, it's in there. It's just in the other games he's had recently, uh, he's done almost nothing. And they haven't exactly been against stellar defenses. I mean, last week against Oakland, he didn't throw for a touchdown. Uh, against Buffalo, he had just one touchdown pass and 199 yards. And against the Giants, 230 yards passing, no touchdowns with two picks. So, you know, and now he gets the Chargers, as we've mentioned, a much better defense. Right. Well, my sit candidate uh, was starting to come into his own, finally makes some headway, and then went down with a concussion in week four, or in sat out, and then went down with a concussion, sat out week 14. Status is up in the air for week 15, and that is running back Joe Mixon of the Cincinnati Bengals. If he plays, I would still sit him in my bench. So I would just go ahead and make that decision now. Just keep him out of your lineup. Bengals get the Vikings this week. They are giving up a league low 18.7 points per game to running backs. That is going to be a tough matchup. The Bengals' offense has just looked absolutely terrible. They don't have much. Andy Dalton, I don't know what his future holds in Cincinnati, but it's nothing good. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean... It's probably a good thing that that A.J. McCarron trade never went through for Cincinnati because he could very well be their quarterback next year. I don't know what's going to happen with Andy Dalton, but I don't want any part of that Bengals offense against a very, very good Vikings defense. Yeah, you're the rookie running back, but not for Joe Mixon. He <laughs> didn't live up to the hype the way the other guys did. Yeah, apparently not. And even if, if Mixon does play, and I, I would I would guess at this point he's not going to because he's still in the concussion protocol. And, I and think, if so. you're the Bengals, why risk it? That, yeah. that You made that investment in this guy. Let him, let him sit it out. But even if he does play... You know, he figures to split work with Giovanni Bernard, who's looked pretty good in his absence. And at this point, I don't, I don't know why the Bengals would go back to pretty much just shelving Giovanni Bernard. But then again, I don't know why they really did that in the first place because Bernard's a good player. So, you know, who knows what's going on there? Not much with the Bengals has ever made sense, but certainly is true this season. Stock watch. Stock watch. The fantasy stock exchange is ever volatile. Who's up and who's down this week, Des? All right, let's start with stock up on Mike Wallace. Uh, in his past four games, he's gone for, uh, in order, 56 yards and a touchdown, uh, 48 yards, but that was on 11, with, that was on five catches, but he had 11 targets in that game. And then in the past two weeks, he went for 116 yards and 72 yards. So in other words, he, ha- he has at least four catches in four of his past five games, and he really looks like he stepped up as, for whatever it's worth, the number one receiver for Baltimore. Jeremy Macklin is out there, but he's just not doing anything. He hasn't topped 41 yards in any of his past four games. You know, now the Ravens are at the Browns. Um, the Browns don't have the worst pass defense, as, as we've mentioned a couple times in the podcast, but obviously not a threatening defense. And in fact, in the past two weeks, they've gotten roasted by wide receivers. They've given up almost 40 points to the Chargers wide receivers, and then almost 60 points to Packers wide receivers with Brett Hundley at quarterback. And then speaking of quarterback, 
Joe Flacco, still not great, but he's not the disaster he was for most of the season. He looks like he's getting healthy right about now, doesn't he? Yeah, it? he might be. Maybe it's getting healthy. Maybe it's a little more, more comfort in the, in the system. Who knows? But he's thrown for at least 269 yards and two scores in back-to-back games, and he has 260 yards and two touchdowns in three of his past five. So you're getting some reasonable production out of him. And he, as mentioned, now he gets the Browns defense which has given up multiple scores or 300 yards to all but three quarterbacks this year. So I like me some Mike Wallace. Wallace definitely reaping the rewards. In Arizona, somebody capitalizing on the absence of Adrian Peterson. Well, and we, we'll see about Adrian Peterson. So obviously this, this stock up on Kerwin Williams is dependent on Adrian Peterson. I think he'll still be out at least one, one more week with a neck injury. I mean, it, it looks uh, it, it's very unclear what's going on there, but the Cardinals are sort of giving off vibes of like, we're not sure what his timetable for return is. Um, and really, you know, at six and seven, I don't know if the cards have a whole lot of incentive to roll them out there as opposed to seeing what they have in Williams, uh, who had, you know, w- when um, David Johnson went down at the start of the year, Kerwin Williams was the first guy to get the, the gig there in his absence and really kind of flopped. Then they went to Chris Johnson and then they went to Adrian Peterson. But in the past two weeks in Adrian Peterson's absence, He's carried uh, 16 times for 97 yards. Then last week, 20 times for 73 yards with a 15-yard reception. So, you know, not the greatest uh, efficiency ever, but, you know, pretty good. And you can expect a lot of volume for him, I think. And then you look at the matchup again, going up against the Redskins, who have allowed the 12th most fantasy points to running backs and have given up over 150 rushing yards to running backs in three of the past four games. Yeah. They'd be getting trampled, so like the matchup for Williams there. And just a ton of points going up on the scoreboard against Washington. That is definitely a great one to watch. Kyle Rudolph was MIA at the start of this season. Seems to finally be coming up and uh, playing pretty well for the Vikings. Yeah, it, it looked at first like the quarterback transition um, from Sam Bradford to Case Keenum did not go well for Kyle Rudolph. Like Keenum just didn't have the, the same vibe with him or whatever. But in the past few weeks, Kyle Rudolph has really picked it up. Uh, last week was the first time since week four they didn't have at least four catches, but he still caught three balls for 41 yards and a touchdown. And as we know, with, with tight ends, touchdowns tend to be the coin of the realm. He scored in each of the past three games with four touchdowns in that span. You know, and just to compare, like, his start to where he is now, through week 10, he was the tight end 12 in PPR formats. Mm. Between weeks 14, 11 and 14, he's tight end 2 and tight end 3 in points per game if you include Gronk. So he's, he's really rejoined the elite there. So Kyle Rudolph definitely on the upswing. Yeah, the, the sneaky, efficient Vikings passing game. I think just people have to sort of adjust to that new reality. It's been one of the, one of the better, uh, better passing attacks in the league this year. Well, here's a new reality that was probably the same as the old reality old reality, and that is the Redskins are a mess once again, and Josh Doxson, woo, stock down. Yeah, you know, and it, it had looked for a little bit in the middle of the season like his star was really on the rise. You know, they, uh, Terrell, they lost Terrell Pryor effectively, and they really lost Jordan Reed, and so you thought, well, those are the two, those theoretically are the two main pass catchers, and Josh Doxson, a former first-round pick, started to pick it up in games. We saw his targets and yardage increasing, but in the past three games, uh, two of them, he sort of kept his fantasy afloat with touchdowns, but He's gone, he's gone for 28 yards, 26 yards, and 34 yards yeah. uh, in his past three games. So, that, I mean, that's just – you can't rely on that. He had been averaging w- well over that in his previous three games. So uh, I don't like the, the trend we're seeing here. And then uh, in this week against the Cardinals, he should see plenty of Patrick Peterson, which is kind of a death knell for, for most wide receivers. And then the week after that, he gets the Broncos. So Yay. Yeah. So, I mean – you know, I, I know I touted Rod Smith earlier about his ability to get a touchdown. I mean, it's kind of the same thing with Doxson. Like, he does give you that, that chance to get in the end zone. 
Uh, but, you know, as Jeff mentioned, the, the, there's a sustainability factor. I mean, he has five touchdowns on just 27 catches this season. So, you know, w- which is more likely? Right. There might not be a more bizarre receiving core in the NFL this year than, than the Redskins. Terrell Pryor going in the third and fourth rounds of fantasy drafts ends up uh, totally disappearing. Uh, Josh Doxson sort of having this weird up-and-down relationship. And then Jamison Crowder, until yeah. recently, really was sort of invisible as well. And, of course, if you drafted Jordan Reed, you didn't exactly get the return on investment. So yeah. definitely a frustrating experience for uh, fantasy owners with Redskins this year. And, and, and if you had Vernon Davis, then for a little while it was like, okay, if Jordan Reed isn't going to play, then Vernon Davis will be great. But then Reed was out and Davis did nothing, but then he did something. Yeah, it's, it's been impossible to trust any, uh, any Redskins receiver. No argument from me. Well, we talk ad nauseum on this podcast about the mess that is the Seattle Seahawks backfield. The Denver Broncos backfield has been pretty sad, too, and it's just hard to get a handle on which guy, if any of them, are going to do anything from uh, one week to the next. Devontae Booker stocked down even against the Colts. Yeah, because he, it looks like he's slipped well behind C.J. Anderson again at this point. And, yeah, who knows? I mean, for a little, for briefly, it seemed like Booker had moved ahead of Anderson, you know, about a, a month ago. But in the in the past three weeks, he has no more than 34 yards in any of his games, 75 mm-hmm. yards total in those three weeks with, oh. with no touchdowns. So that's pretty awful. Uh, he's had 22 touches in those games. Anderson had 48. In the previous, in the most recent game, we saw Anderson out-touch Booker by 24 to 11, out-gain him by almost 40 yards from scrimmage. So it looks like, C- you know, I'm not even sure I would trust C.J. Anderson in my lineup, but mm-hmm. I'm certainly not going anywhere d- near Devontae Booker, as you said, even in a, a fairly good-looking matchup against the Colts. So Nelson Aguilar, our final stock-down candidate, probably a popular streaming candidate given the Eagles' success up to this point, but without Carson Wentz, seems like an obvious down. Yeah, you know, he'd been a pretty nice play over the past three games. Uh, he went for 32 yards and a touchdown. He, he got in the end zone there. Then the past two games, 141 yards and a touchdown, and then 64 yards on 11 targets most recently. So a guy that you liked uh, as a flex play in what was this sort of dynamic offense, throwing the ball all over the place. But, yeah, Carson Wentz's injury puts a major damper on that. I mean, Nick Foles comes in, but probably can't be expected to keep three ri- three receivers fantasy viable. No. And uh, Zach Ertz may or may not come back this week. I think I think that he's trending toward coming back. So assuming he does, you know, you've got Ertz and Alshon Jeffrey there. It's going to be hard. You know, those two figure to be above him in the pecking order. Yeah, it's interesting. This is sort of a must-watch this week for for fantasy owners of of any Eagles offensive players, to be honest. But it, it is a, a favorable matchup for them. If they have some success against the Giants, maybe they're you know increased uh, uh, interest in some of these guys uh, for the last couple weeks of the season. If they struggle against the Giants, that's not a good sign. But a lot of unknowns. I think a guy like Aguilar, uh, you know, the risk is too great to put him in your lineups this week. Yeah, I think you at least have to give it a week to see what this offense looks like. Value pick. So since we spent most of the time during the big idea talking about buyer bewares, uh, guys you are going to sit down, we thought we'd skip past that segment and focus our value picks entirely on the potential replacements for Carson Wentz. So Aguilar serves as a pretty good segue there. Good on you if you've already snagged Aaron Rodgers. If he was on your waiver wire, he will be back in Week 15 for the Green Bay Packers. But not everyone's going to be as fortunate. So who out there could be targeted to replace Carson Wentz? Jeff, get a start. Well, the the same guy that the Eagles chose to replace Carson Wentz, and that's Nick Foles. Oh, how um, about that? I think for I, I'm I'm referring to this more on a one week basis, um, and this is relative to other options you're going to get on the waiver wire. I think Nick Foles playing against the Giants, uh, a plus matchup. 
Uh, most fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks this year from the Giants defense. So there's potential there. There are still weapons. You know, a guy like Alshon Jeffrey is, is a guy who can win the 50-50 ball in the end zone. He's a red zone target. Zach Ertz, who Des alluded to, if he is to play uh, and return from injury, he's another red zone target. So I think there's some uh, there's a variety of weapons, even if they sort of take the air out of the ball a little bit. You know, I think as a, a one-week option, I think he's better than some of the other ones you can get out there. Uh, I know you guys have a couple names who are intriguing as well, but uh, it really depends on your league who, who's available. Foles uh, would have been a waiver-wire target. Maybe he's still sitting there. I, I think he's a decent option to replace uh, Wentz this week. All right, Des, you got a name here. If I'm reading this correctly, it ends with Bortles? Yeah, uh, Blake Bortles. You are reading that correctly. I know. Uh, hard to imagine putting much stock in him, especially in Week 15, but you know he's been pretty solid lately. He's been pretty good. Uh, and this week he gets the Texans, who are a very forgiving defense for quarterbacks. So it's so nice uh, <laughs> the way you put that. That is the kindest possible way you could phrase it. Yeah, I mean Bortles has kind of been getting it done, and you know we've seen him be good in fantasy in previous years, just in kind of the opposite way where he's been the king of garbage time because the team has been so terrible. Partly because he keeps throwing like pick sixes and stuff. Like mm. he's racked up points in the fourth quarter. You know now we're seeing obviously a much more effective uh, Jaguars team that wants to run the ball more. But in that sense, uh, I think teams are, are creeping up into the box and giving him opportunities to go downfield. And, you know, in, his, in each of his past two games, he has at least 268 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, the week before that, he didn't do a lot through the air, but he rushed for two touchdowns with 62 yards. So one way or another, he's been getting it done in, in fantasy. Uh, you know, since week nine, uh, or the Jags were, had a week nine bye. Uh, since then, Bortles is QB6. And he's QB eight in points per game, so he's already uh, a top, firmly in the top ten in fantasy. So I, you know, if you, obviously if you've lost Wentz and you're, and maybe you're in a league where most of the other good quarterbacks have been picked up, and I agree, you should look to see if Aaron Rodgers is available because I think in ESPN leagues he was available in, in over thirty percent, but uh, otherwise, you know, he, if he did get dropped. Yeah, in, in a lot of leagues. Exactly. So look for him first, but you know, if if he's been picked up already and you're kind of in a desperate situation, I think you could do a lot worse this week than Blake Bortles. Which is an amazing thing to say, but I think you're right. I, you know, I've sort of had an aversion all all season long as I've dealt with some injuries at the quarterback position. The one week streamer option, Bortles. It's just hard to sort of to to go. <laughs> it's hard yeah. to pick up yeah. Blake Bortles and start him in your fantasy lineup. But certainly a good matchup this week. I was sort of wondering is is Bortles maybe following a little bit of an Alex Smith career path when finally his team comes around, really strong defense, um, a guy who struggled early in his career. Maybe is he having a little bit of a renaissance here? I don't know if he'll be the starting quarterback next year in Jacksonville. There's a lot of sort of rumors as to whether that could be Eli Manning or somebody else. But uh, certainly for this week, I think he's. Uh, I think you're right. I think you could do worse than, than Bortles. You know, and, and we're, at a, we're at a time of year where you are playing week to week. You know, Maybe earlier in the year you would make waiver moves or you would make roster decisions on who to start based on like who you like sort of on the, over the long term. But now we're, you know, we're strictly playing at week 15, get through that, then get to week 16. So it has a lot to do with the matchups. And, and the Jaguars have done a good job putting some uh, receivers around them, even with the loss of Allen Robinson and then rec- more recently the loss of Allen Hearns. You have D.D. Westbrook has stepped up. Keelan Cole has done some nice things, and you still have Marquise Lee there. I uh, just was just since I was looking at Rotor World a moment ago, and I was praising Kyle Rudolph. I should mention that apparently he's in a walking boot <laughs> oh. with an ankle problem, so Ooh. maybe not stock up if he's going to be gimpy. Uh, but so we'll have to we'll have to check on his health going forward, which actually would affect me in the Washington Post League. So that's a problem for me. 
That's got Alan Jinks is just now starting to take effect. Yep. All right. So my value pick to fill in for Wentz is out in San Francisco. Jimmy Garoppolo has looked pretty sharp as the Niners quarterback with not a ton of options. Last week, he had 334 yards, a touchdown, and an interception against the Houston Texans. This week, he gets the Titans pretty middle of the pack as far as passing defenses go, 16.2 points per game for uh, quarterbacks. But... I think this is a little bit skewed over the season because they really locked down against the Browns, the Colts, and the Cardinals, three teams that just don't have a lot of offense going on right now. So if you take those three out, I think they're a little bit more accommodating than their season totals will allow for. And like I said, Jimmy Garoppolo is looking good. He's throwing the ball well, and I think he's going to keep it rolling against the Titans in Week 15. Yeah, they're they're an intriguing uh, fantasy offense heading into next season, assuming Garoppolo is still there because he's really – he sort of had them clicking. They're going to have an early draft pick. Maybe they, they add another weapon to the mix. Maybe Saquon Barkley. I don't know. The running back out of Penn State. But mm-hmm. definitely uh, keep an eye on uh, Garoppolo uh, in terms of his long-term fantasy value. Yeah, he's looked really good. He hasn't been he has been throwing touchdown passes. I think he has one TD pass in his past two starts. But right. really been moving that offense. Yeah, absolutely. He, actually, he might only have one touchdown as a team in his last two starts. They aren't putting a ton of points on the board, but they are controlling the ball pretty well. What to watch for. As the song goes, Saturday, Saturday, Saturday night's all right for watching NFL football, right? Isn't that how it goes? Uh, it will be this week, I think. <laughs> We're just <laughs> thankful you didn't sing it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, this is an important note for our viewers that uh, there's Saturday football. So be ready for that. And not just and so this is literally a what to watch for. I will be watching football, NFL football on a Saturday, which will be pretty fantastic. But it's also important in terms of your fantasy lineups. You know, sometimes I think a lot of owners think, okay, once you get past the Thursday game, you'll have till Sunday morning to really finalize those lineups to really make those tough decisions as well. A lot of owners are going to have some decisions to make on Saturday because you have two pretty good matchups. Well, Bears Lions, I mean, there's certainly some fantasy viable players there. That game will be of interest to me. From a fantasy perspective, because of the uh, Lions running backs, you have Amir Abdullah, I think, coming back this week. There was some question as to maybe was he getting benched by the Lions. Uh, you know, but, so we're going to have to see how much playing time he gets. In his absence, Theo Riddick did really well last week. And if, if Abdullah was going to be limited, uh, Riddick would be a really nice start in Week 15. But as it stands now, Abdullah might serve as a kind of a vulture to, mm. to Riddick's value. So that's a problem. And then the big game is that evening. We talked about it earlier. Chargers-Chiefs. A lot to look for there, uh, especially Kareem Hunt, who sort of finally had a big game for the first time. We talked about that a lot last week. He finally came through with a big game. Can he keep it up against what we already discussed was a pretty sturdy Chargers defense? So just, you know, let's all be watching that on Saturday night. NFL football, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be watching a very traditional Sunday NFL game, and that is coming in the form of Packers at Panthers. The obvious thing here, Aaron Rodgers' return from injury uh, you know, if if you were able to, if you stashed him on your roster, or if you were able to pick him back up, you know, it, it depends on who else you've got at the quarterback position. I'm considering uh, starting him over Dak Prescott, which is sort of a dilemma I'm having. Uh, I'm playing Mike Hume in that league, so uh, high stakes. You've there. mentioned. Um, I, I think I've built something resembling like a 45 point lead in, in our aggregation aggregated playoff format, but that's uh, neither here nor there. I do think oh, it's w- there. The, the impact <laughs> he has on the rest of the the Packers position players. Uh, as as to how um, 
as, as to how maybe you evaluate them in the final couple weeks of the season. Uh, and, and on the Panthers' side of the ball, uh, Jonathan Stewart coming off a three-touchdown game, uh, which has not been the norm for him this season. Uh, I don't know if he's really inclined to repeat that, but I think Devin Funches, uh, Christian McCaffrey, both must starts in this matchup. So Packers at Panthers on Sunday. I'm going to keep an eye on that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we, you know, I joked at the start of the show about Jordy Nelson returning to the fantasy landscape from a broken collarbone. Yeah. Obviously, I was referring to the fact that he's been basically a non-factor with Brett Hundley there. I mean, really, just doing nothing almost at all with Hundley. So yeah, can Aaron Rodgers revive uh, Jordy Nelson's fantasy value? Assuming Rodgers does play, will be very interesting to watch. And then what happens with Devontae Adams, who's been thriving with Brett Hundley? Well, one sort of interesting thing, and I, I don't know why this happened. Probably because he was the one that was actually injured. But Aaron Rodgers was on a lot of waiver wires. Jordan Nelson, no one was dropping him. Apparently he was over 95% in ESPN leagues this entire time. I don't know why you didn't drop him, well, frankly. I, it might have been the expectation that Rodgers was going to come back at some point. Perhaps, but then why is Rodgers on 64% or <laughs> only on 64% of Rodgers? There's, the, there's the rub. A, a weird anomaly. Speaking of weird anomalies, Actually, there's nothing weird about this. The Redskins, once again, are in a <laughs> downward, downward spiral. It's the end of the season, so of course they are, right? After being potentially on the fringes of the playoff chase, they've laid two straight eggs. If they lay a third, all bets are off. But what the fantasy impact is, Trevor Simeon and the Broncos are coming to town for Week 16. It's title week. If Washington lays down and it's clear that their defense has been giving up a ton of points, it has regressed very significantly. The Broncos' offensive players are going to be must-starts, especially Trevor Simeon, who you would probably stick on your bench or leave on the waiver wire. He becomes a very good streaming candidate for the title. So if you have Wentz out, uh, or if you have Wentz on your roster and you are looking for a Week 15 fill-in first, Simeon could be a good bookend for Week 16 if you win this week. Yeah, we, I mean, we talked about the receivers in that team being kind of hard to figure out. The whole offense is hard to figure out. Kirk Cousins, you're not sure what you're going to get from him. And then Samaj P. Ryan, you'd like to play him because you know he's going to get a lot of work. But then again, maybe he won't get a lot of work if they fall behind. Mm-hmm. Then we saw last week he got a lot of carries but did almost did very little with them. So. I think it was sick. That was the one mitigating circumstance was, there. Yeah. But Yeah, so maybe maybe if he feels better and they can hang around the game, you know, P. Ryan will have a big game. But it's just so hard to trust any of those players at this point. All right, so best of luck to you for Week 15. Hope your playoff matchups go your way. In the meantime, you can check out all of our fantasy content on thewashingtonpost.com and give us a shout on Twitter. I'm at Mike Hume Post. I'm at Des Beeler. I'm at Jeff Dooley underscore. Thanks for listening. See ya.